I'm Carrie Brett, and this is Shot at Love. Today's guest is Denise Rogers, and she's a spiritual teacher, healer, and former dream lady who's appeared on hundreds of television and radio shows internationally. Denise found herself in her early 20s pregnant and in love. Her life took on new meaning and direction after spiraling out of control and overcoming a traumatic near-death experience where she was shot twice, badly beaten, and left to die as her five-year-old hid in the next room. Denise is the epitome of a survivor and an expert in breaking the cycle with a bad boy. In this episode, Denise will share how to quit bad boys for once and for all. Life with a bad boy is toxic, harmful, exhausting, and can be so destructive that it can lead to dangerous situations that could cost you your life. Bad boys use drama, conflict, and confidence while telling us what we want to hear to keep us in the game. When we come back, Denise will share reasons why bad boy relationships are highly toxic, how not to get hooked and break the spell, to pull in a healthy relationship because love doesn't equal drama and pain. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Following her near-death experience, Denise Rogers embarked upon a healing journey by studying the mind in dreams. For the past 30 years, she's been developing and teaching her mind, body, and spirit self-empowerment programs. The results from her program have been published in numerous journals. Denise contributed a chapter on mind and body interventions in the leading medical book globally, and she's one of the few non-physician or non-PhDs to be featured in this prestigious book. Her program was also a course at the University of Texas School of Medicine. After her deceased husband came to her in a dream, Denise began to study dreams and consciousness. She's also appeared on the radio and television for 10 years as an expert on the altered states of consciousness. Denise has been a hospice chaplain and a death doula for 11 years and finds great satisfaction in helping people cross over to the other side. She strives to change the dialogue about death and dying, and she's particularly interested in helping facilitate communication from loved ones through this form of dream visitations. Denise Rogers hasn't lived one life, but she's lived many, and thankfully she survived. Now she lives her life's purpose while sharing lessons she's learned on her journey. It is my great honor to welcome Denise Rogers to the show today. Hi, Denise. Oh, hi, Carrie. It's so good to be here. I've listened to so many of your shows, and and I love each and every one of them. So thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited for this episode. I think it's a really important topic. Now, you have the most incredible story. Take us back to your early 20s. What was that moment in time like when you were pregnant and in love? Well, I I, I fell in love or lost uh, a couple of years before I got pregnant, but um, I've, I fell in love with a a bad boy. And this was, I had gone to school with his, um, with his younger brothers and sisters. So I I had always heard about this guy. His name was David. And I knew he was my, you know, my, my classmates, uh, older brother, but he was off in, in the army by the time I got to high school. So he was, um, three or four years older than I was. And when he got back from the army, um, my girlfriend and I were at a nightclub and, um, 
we, you know, kind of were just making the rounds and I happened to run just face to face, just smack dab into this guy. And he had, he had flaxen blonde hair and blue eyes. And so he, I knew exact. I knew exactly who it was. I'd never met him before. I'd never even seen him in person, but I knew from all the yearbook pictures, and I knew that he was Don Allen Mark's older brother, and I knew he'd been, you know, had been drafted, and so I knew immediately who this was. And uh, of course, he didn't know who I was. And um, but I, you know, I I knew um, it was one of those kind of fated things where it was like, oh my God, be still, my beating heart. And uh, my girlfriend um, grabbed me by the arm. And we walked into the pool room, and she she said, "You know who that was, don't you?" And I said, "Yeah." And she said, "Man, he sure is cute." And I said, "I know it." So that's what started it. Was when we ran into him at a uh, him and his buddy, and then they ended up. Um, you know, kind of double teaming us, you know, and dancing and I'd watch him from afar and he was animated and he was just the life of the party. Not only was he just, um, well, I, I often say that he was like the, the Brad Pitt character in Thelma Louise only with blonder hair and bluer eyes. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of that love at first sight, lust, call it whatever you want. It was a fated uh, type of thing where I just, you know, I just was gaga over this guy. And so we started dating and double dating with the, his buddy. And um, he was, a he was, you know, he knew how to live. He always had money. In fact, while we were in, in this bar, you know, we, my girlfriend and I were, were get by, over, up at the counter buying a drink, and he came over and lays a $100 bill on the counter. says, I'll buy these ladies uh, a drink. And so, you know, he was really, he was flashy. He was um, everything I wasn't, really. Um, but mostly it was just, you know, I just had this huge, huge attraction. So we ended up dating and uh, but it, there were a bunch of girls after him, and he was quite the the, the playboy. And um, so, you know, that I struggled with that because, you know, I really wanted him, and he didn't was anywhere close to settling down. And um, one thing led to another, and he, um, I didn't know that he, I knew he was a, a bad boy. But I didn't know how bad, and I didn't know that it would escalate um, like it like it did. So we um, we had you know he was involved in some you know some kind of shady things, and I kind of I did know about that. But you know, there's a part of you that 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 turns a blind eye, and you don't you know you accept certain things. And and truthfully, I didn't know that he was that his father was into organized crime. Um, and I did, you know, I'd never heard of, of a teamster. I didn't know who Jimmy Hoffa was, but, you know, now in retrospect, you know, his father uh, was like a, a regional mob boss who worked for Jimmy Hoffa. And Jimmy Hoffa was the head of the teamsters union back in the, the, I guess it was the 60s and the 70s, who, who went missing, and I guess they've never found him. Um, but anyway, I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. I was just so taken by him. 
that um, and he was just so irresistible that I just, you know, all, all I all I wanted was him. Right. Right. So you fall in love with this bad boy. You find yourself pregnant and you felt that even though you you know had an idea that he was an organized crime, you felt that once you had the child that he would straighten his life out. When I, when, when I got pregnant, which, you know, obviously was, you know, I was, I was 19, so I wasn't prepared uh, to be pregnant, but I certainly wanted, didn't want to do anything but have this baby and, and to have a family. And, um, and he, you know, he, he, he wanted to get married and we did, we ran off, um, uh, and spent, you know, we went to hot springs and got married and, and he, uh, he seemed to really want to straighten up his life. But again, I didn't really know what, to what extent he was involved. And so we're trying to set up our little family and, and, um, and then, and then things just started going south and, um, I had gotten, uh, we, had, we both went to real estate school because um, I figured if he could sell illegal things, that maybe he could sell real estate. And it turned out that he was really, he was really good at it. But then when the real estate market crashed, um, I could see, and uh, Dior was just a baby, and I could see that uh, not only was the real estate market going downhill, but I was seeing all these signs, you know. Uh, strange people coming to the house and um, coded uh, conversations on the phone. And just, I mean, you know, it didn't take a genius to figure out that there was some other stuff going on and he wouldn't give me any answers. Of course, I would quiz him uh, about things and he just, you know, as much as I quizzed, he, you know, he backpedaled and and wouldn't give me any information and so um i started getting worried so a common thing when you get in a relationship with a bad boy is you think you can change them and bad boys always have an excuse so all this shady behavior starts happening and there's no like rhyme or reason for what they do they just do it and you know these things are adding up and it's starting to stress you out and you can't like give ultimatums because they're never afraid and nothing scares them. But you start to get to a point where you don't, this behavior is unacceptable for you to raise your child. Do you think he ever thought you'd leave him? No, I don't think he, I don't think he did. And so my, you know, I, I did make an ultimatum. And I said, um, look, um, you're going to have to get out of this business because uh, I can't I can't raise a child in this environment, always being afraid. Um, So, no, I don't think he believed it. Um, I had a good job, so it wasn't like I, you know, I was dependent on him financially at all. Um, I was in the oil business. I was climbing a corporate ladder. I could take care of myself. And so I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have that kind of uh, codependency on him. I was just crazy mad in love with him. And um, he, you know, he, we had a little girl and, and, you know, I think we, we all dream, uh, little girls, we all dream about, you know, marrying the, 
the the love of our life and having a family. And so, you know, the dream was not, you know, any different than than what most little girls have. And the, the actual things that he uh, that I was that I was attracted to, which was kind of the danger and the the charm and the the luxurious living and the travel and being able to spend um, as much money as, as I wanted. These were all very attractive to me, but it turned out, you know, that, you know, the more mature I got and the older our daughter got and the deeper he got into the business, the more it was like, oh, you know, what have I gotten myself into? And so when I, when I made the ultimatum, I said, look, I'm going to give you three months. And I knew then that, you know, that it was, you know, it was probably a 50, 50 chance um, because I knew he was in pretty, pretty deep. Cause I had found out, you know, that he was part of, um, you know, he was the son of a mob boss and that this kind of activity had been going on for a, a a long time and what I had heard about was just minor compared to what what was really going on. So no, he he never guessed. And to be real honest, Carrie, he would not have let me go. I had to escape. Um, which, you know, we don't need to go into that, but um I had to plot my uh our um our escape. Um and then you know when when he realized I was gone uh, he didn't, he, he didn't believe it. He thought I was just threatening him. You know, he said, okay, well I get, you know, I understand what you're saying now. Um, I'll get it together. You guys come home. And I said, no, you don't understand. You get your act together first and then we'll come back. And so it took him a while to realize that I really was serious. And, um, then things just kind of went. It, it just went south even more. Instead of him really working hard to uh, change his behavior and change his life and make it more safe for us, he got worse. Mm. So you you get yourself out of the situation. You realize, and I think in the beginning, like you said, you had this exotic lifestyle, and then he was unpredictable, and people sometimes get addicted to the rush and the highs and lows, but then the fear and the worrying just became too much. And right. you had to plan your escape. And now you're hoping you're still in love with him. You're hoping he'll get his act together and he doesn't get his act together. So you file for divorce and now you're trying to move on. And what happens? So we were uh, living separately, but we, you know, because he had visitation and, and because I still had such hope and so did he. Um, you know, visitation, I mean, he was a little bit unreliable in that regard, but, uh, we were still seeing each other. And after, after the bitterness of the divorce, we were, we were seeing each other, you know, he would come to my place and spend the night and we had just, um, you know, we'd spent Christmas together and, um, shortly after Christmas, just a few weeks after Christmas, he was murdered and it was, um, I mean, I remember I was getting ready for work and I had the news on and I heard, you know, two unidentified men were shot today, uh, you know, in a double homicide. And I did, it did cross my mind. I thought, I thought, oh no, um, that couldn't be. Uh, 
but I ha- but I had to think about it because he was supposed to come over that night and he never showed up. But that wasn't all that unusual for him. You know, he was he was forever a no show. So but I do think that it was at that moment, you know, they had not identified the next of kin, so they were not releasing any of the names. And then as soon as I got to work, I found out that that it that he was one of the two men who uh, who were killed. And so then there's, you know, a huge murder trial going on on television, on the front page. And um, so, you know, and they're all, they're questioning me. Um, I'm scared because I don't know who ha- has killed him. And I don't know if they're coming after me. And even though we were, had been divorced for almost two years, you know, he had, he had he left a bunch of jewelry at my house. He was he spent the night two or three nights a week at my house. So um, I I didn't know you know, but I was not as involved in his life as I was when we were married, um, on purpose because we were divorced. I was not entitled to anything. So he gets killed, and now. I am the legal and the natural guardian of the only heir. So our daughter was the only heir. I wasn't entitled to anything, but she was entitled to everything, which included the $750,000 worth of assets that I had just walked away from two years prior. So my lawyer said, okay, well, um, you know, we need to, uh, you, you have to be the executor and and you have to uh, probate the estate on behalf of your daughter and put everything into a trust fund and blah, blah, blah. Well, I happened to, you know, had, had worked for these lawyers and knew these guys. So, so they were taking pretty good care of me. And um, about six months into it, into the, the estate, my lawyers called me up and they said, um, uh, we had a problem. And I said, what do you mean we had a problem? And they said, well, uh, your fa- your ex-father-in-law is defrauding the estate. And I said, well, how do you mean? And I said, well, um, he is backdating deeds and transfer- forging your late husband's name on deeds and transferring property into his name. And I said, well, what do we do? And he said, they said, well, you know, we have to put liens on all the property. We have to file criminal lawsuits in all of the counties where the property was. And we have to go to court. So um, in conjunction with the, with the probate, I had to then file all these criminal charges because he was stealing from his granddaughter essentially, you know, the only heir of his deceased son. And this guy is trying to steal from her. So the day, um, the day before um, we were supposed to go to court on this property, I'm getting ready. I had a, a, a commission hearing for my, my job and it was about eight o'clock in the morning. She was getting ready for, for preschool. Uh, I had a bunch of growlers in my hair and a, a Christian Dior satin robe on, and I um, had a knock. Uh, there was a knock at my door, and I thought, you know, I thought, who would be who would be knocking at my door at eight o'clock in the morning? So I went to the door. I looked through the people, and I see a man dressed as a delivery man holding a clipboard and a package. And I said, "Who is it?" And he said, um, "Called me by name, 
And he said, um, I have a package for you to sign for. So I opened, you know, this is where I went wrong. Um, but it's something we would all do. So I opened up the door about six or seven inches, just enough, wide enough for him to to pass the clipboard through to me. And as I took the clipboard, the door comes crashing down. He comes crashing through and he is has a of a 45 caliber um, semi-automatic and he starts beating me up and shooting just shooting blindly you know and so it's like I had to move into fight mode immediately and and I you know and, and it's it's amazing I mean you're a mother uh, you know the first thing that comes comes to your mind is oh my god I'm gonna die and my and what's gonna happen to my daughter because now her father's dead I'm getting ready to be dead, and uh, what's going to happen to her? It'll be my parents fighting, fighting this crazy man for her custody. So all of that flashes through your mind, you know, in a matter of two seconds while I'm trying to, you know, uh, protect myself. And he was a big guy, um, you know, and heavy set. He had leather gloves on, trying to choke me. Um, I ended up getting shot in the left forearm and I also got shot in the chest. Fortunately, the bullet that went through my chest went all the way through and it was really a fairly clean um, entrance and, and exit, but they didn't know that because I had so many wounds. They didn't know what was an entrance wound and what was an exit wound and they knew that the gun had been emptied. So there were seven, you know, seven bullets you know, in the walls and the floor, you know, all over. I, I never went back to that uh, condo after that. So I, I never saw, you know, what it looked like and don't, didn't wish to, but um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for my life very literally. And um, fortunately my daughter doesn't come out of her bedroom. So all this is going on and she's in the very next room. And um, I heard a voice, and in my head, it was kind. Of, it sounded like a male voice, and I, you know, I don't know if it was God or if it was my guardian angel or or my subconscious. I am having a clue, still don't know. But the voice said, "Stop fighting and act like you're dying." So when I heard this voice, um, I stopped fighting immediately when i quit fighting he quit fighting lucky for me i said to him please just leave and let me die in peace and he said if i let you live will you drop your lawsuits against ralph i said yes how great would it be to find the love of your life the man of your dreams. Do you believe online dating would work if you had the right tools to be successful? Well, I have exciting news. I've created your best 
Shot at Love Masterclass. I cannot wait to share with you what's worked for me in my life and for many of my clients that have helped over the years. If you enroll in this class, you have a winning mindset and believe in getting help before you start something new. If you're ready to see changes in your dating life and want to take action, check out my free webinar at shotatlove.co. If you decide you're going to choose another path, that you're worth it and you're willing to enroll in the masterclass, you can also register at shotatlove.co. I designed this masterclass specifically for you to be successful. Please know that everything you're going to learn in these nine modules and six coaching calls has been carefully curated for you so you can gain the success you truly want. I will be there for you the whole time. In the meantime, I wish you all the success and I can't wait to hear about your story of finding love. I'm Carrie Brett and I will be your mentor and friend through this incredible journey. And so I said, Dior, Mama will be right back. And then went knocking on doors until I found somebody home and uh, collapsed and, and uh, in her entryway. And, and uh, she called the police and ambulance. And what followed was a you know, pretty extensive, um, many-year process of rehabilitation, physical rehabilitation, exploratory surgeries, and uh, not to mention the uh, psychological uh, counseling that I needed. So you survived this this near-death experience, and you found yourself in a vulnerable place. You were pretty damaged. Like you said, you had to do all this therapy but you found yourself quickly in another relationship. So you navigate out of that relationship and you take this challenging experience and you study all these things and you have this career as a healer today and you step into your life's purpose and your work and you're single and you're dating and life goes on. What would your advice be for someone who feels there's no way out of their current relationship or they feel like they have zero chance of fixing their life. You know, Carrie, I think that everything has a purpose. Every person that I spend more than 10 minutes with, there is a reason for that association. There's also a reason for every experience we have in our life, but we've got to figure that out. And sometimes we don't know it at the time, and sometimes it takes us years to figure it out. What I've come to find out is that that experience of getting shot and beat up and left for dead was the best and the worst experience of my life. It was the worst because I nearly lost my life. There was a lot of PTSD um, that we all had to uh, overcome. But it was the blessing in it was that I got in touch with this incredible healer inside of me. And had I not had that experience, I mean, maybe I would have figured out down the road 10 years later, 15 years later, maybe never. But I found out what kind of a healer I am, and I found my true purpose in life. 
So, and my purpose is to help empower other people, whether it's through, you know, uh, getting out of a, uh, a relationship with a bad boy or feeling like you're trapped and, 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 and you know, in any kind of uh, situation, whether it's a, a dead-end job or a dead-end relationship. Um, I think I, what I've learned is that these these challenging and 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 traumatizing experiences can can produce some of the richest um, growth and wisdom. And so, you know, I I've said it many many times that you know I I would not be who I am. I would not have served the thousands of people that I've served um, had I not been shot and beat up and left for dead because I would not have had the opportunity to heal. So I think my advice would be to look at every adverse situation in your life and realize that there is some kind of pearl in it it may take you, you may recognize it immediately. It may take you years, but always in retrospect, you're going to be able to look back and say, oh, that's why this had to happen. We don't know. We don't understand why things happen when we're in the middle of it. We can't be objective. It's only in looking back that we can say, ah, I wasn't ready for that to happen because this over here hadn't happened yet. And so I think it's to look at every experience as more of a puzzle, you know, and and, you, and, and, and we've got this huge puzzle and, and we kind of put together, you know, as a, as a physical puzzle, we put, you know, we put all the straight edges together because, you know, that's obvious. So we put the outer part of our puzzle together first. And then we start filling in the middle pieces. And so the middle pieces really is, is the pieces of wisdom that, um, that we look back on. We go, oh, okay, you know, I, this, this and this wouldn't have happened if, if these things in my past hadn't happened. So I think realizing that um, even when things look really, really dark and you can see no uh, no light at the end of the tunnel or no end in sight that, that there is always, there is always a light inside of us, our own spirit, the light of our own spirit, call that God, call it your guardian angel, call it your divine a supreme power. It doesn't really matter. I think most people can agree that there is a higher power. And even in your darkest, darkest hours, and I've had, um, I've had some pretty dark hours. Um, but now, you know, I feel like, um, I've got the world by the tail. I have been blessed. Oh, my God. I've been blessed with so many wonderful things. Yes, I've had horrifying experiences that I've had to triumph over. But I've also had, um, I like to say that I've earned these wonderful wonderful privileges. You know, like being able, you know, uh, being taken 
you know, on, on a trip, trips and on a Learjets and just, just things that I would never have been able to pay for on my own, but they were things that were gifted to me. And so I think it's realizing that gifts come to you. Uh, not only do accidents and trauma come to you in unexpected ways, but the blessings and the, the, the generosity and uh, the, the wonderment of, uh, of God and, uh, and all the blessings in the world also come to you in unimaginable ways. So I've really, I really feel charmed. I know a lot of people, you know, think, you know, oh, well, you were a victim. And, you know, Carrie, um, there was, there was something about when people, you know, being the classic victim, um, there was a part of me, and I know now that it was a very wise, intuitive part of me. There was a part of me that even though on the surface it looked like I was a victim, there was a part of me that felt like I wasn't. And I know that sounds bizarre because, you know, I, I'm not guilty for getting shot. But my point is that I felt like that somehow deep inside there was some type of meaning or purpose behind it. And how was I going to figure that out? And I think that's what everybody, you know, uh, that's what I encourage everybody to do is, you know, what is the blessing here? What is the blessing? You can't see it at the time. And maybe you have to really, really struggle to see, well, the blessing is that I survived. But you know what? There's a whole lot more beyond surviving. And it's called thriving. And that's what I've really tried to do with my life is, is, um, is, not just heat, not just survive, but to thrive and to heal and then help other people be, you know, who, who, you know, maybe have been in some, uh, a similar, uh, experience or an equally traumatic experience. And that's that, you know, we have this fighting spirit inside of us and we have an undaunting spirit that will, uh, always be there as long as we're open to it that's great well thank you so much for showing us that we all have the tools to survive even the most unimaginable things and why we we can overcome and ditch the pattern of falling in love with bad boys and and how we can pull yeah. in good and 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 a healthy future so I expect big things for you. What What do you think is to come for you, or and, and where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, Mind Body Spirit zero nine two one is my Instagram and my website, which is um, still in the process of of being constructed. But there's quite a bit up about my my history and my research and some of the things I've been doing. It's Mind Body Potential dot org mindbodypotential.org and um like i said be patient i'm 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 getting ready to launch all my programs uh my mind body spirit programs um onto some platforms where we can do it um through teachable or one one of those platforms and i also do a lot of the uh, intuitive counseling and 
um, distance healing, that kind of thing. So mind, body, spirit, zero nine, two, one is my Instagram and, uh, mindbodypotential.org is my website. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Denise, for being here today and oh, you're thank sharing you. your inspiring story. Okay. Let's do it again. And thank you for, for, um, for, for being so motivating for me. And so, um, uh, so encouraging for doing my own podcast. I appreciate that, Carrie. Well, I'm definitely rooting for you. And for now, this week's Shot at Love tips that are inspired by our guest, Denise Rogers. Number one, always choose hope. Once you choose hope, anything is possible. Number two, it's not until we're lost do we begin to find ourselves. Number three, Look at every adverse situation and every experience as a positive because it shapes us and gives us the wisdom we need. I hope you found some of my tips helpful this week. This is what Shot at Love is here for, to help you find love. Keep up the commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this podcast. Remember to stay safe and stay tuned for more episodes. If you like this show, please leave a five-star review. I'm Carrie Brett, and we'll see you next time.